Cool. Let's get started. Sound good? Father, uh, we just thank you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for who you are. And we just pray that um, you cover me, and this is not terrible, and this is good, and this is fun. And we just, we thank you for your word, God. Yes, God. We thank you for your word. Yes. And we thank you that you're alive. Yeah. And we thank you that you're still speaking. Yes. That you're not silent. Yes. So we love you. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Come on. So uh, you guys have been in this behind the scenes series, right? Craig has talked to me a little bit about it. And I want to speak into it a little bit and take you guys behind the scenes on a moment. I think it's probably one of the most intimate moments that uh, the disciples and Jesus have had. It's one of the most intimate scenes that you see Jesus with his disciples. And what's just happened in this moment, right before this moment, Jesus has washed the feet of his disciples, right? So he's washed their feet. Just to give you FYI, I'm Puerto Rican. I'm from the East Coast. So I like to yell. I'm not scary. I'm just intense. So just to to give you, I'm not angry. I'm not mad at you. I I just love Jesus. And I'm like, everybody needs to know this stuff. So I get intense in your face, all right? So, uh, and I'm a youth pastor, so it's like, well, you know you're going to have fun. Um, we'll bring the dodgeballs out in a little bit and give you a whole bunch of gift cards and free food. That's, that's, a, that's the equation. If you want youth showing up, give free stuff away and have games. That's youth ministry. But um, So here's this moment. You have... The disciples with Jesus, he's just washed their feet. He's, ulti- he's, he's done the ultimate act of service for them, right? Now he's about to take them to the Last Supper. But there's this one moment that if you read through the text, you, you miss it really quick. And I think so often, I think it says so much, but so often we just run through it like, duh, okay. Yeah. And, and, I, and it's one of the hinging moments, I think, that Jesus expresses grace, love, and mercy, but we've got to dive in a little bit more. Sometimes we just read the word on its surface and we don't go deeper. Yeah. And there's there's so many layers to God's word, yeah. right? So what if you guys want to do, you can open up to John 13, and I'm going to read uh, verse 21 to you guys. So here's this moment where he's washed their feet, he's about to break bread with them, but what he does is he goes and says, one of you guys are going to betray me. So there's this turn, that they're all, they have this moment where it's like, God, this is super awkward, you're like washing my feet, this is weird, they stink, but then he does it, and then he's about to give them food, but then he goes and says, hey, one of you will betray me. And this is what John 13 verse 21 says, now Jesus was deeply troubled, And he exclaimed, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. The disciples look at each other wondering whom could he mean. The disciple Jesus loved was sitting next to Jesus at the table, Simon Peter, motioned him and asked, who is he talking about? So the disciple leaned over to Jesus and asked, Lord, who is it? So you have this moment where they don't know who the betrayer is. They don't have a clue. But when I read this, my qu- my head goes, "Why don't you guys know? Like, why don't you? Why don't you know? Like, that's my biggest question. How do you not know? Yeah. Right? It, it doesn't take any skill to find the garbage in people's lives. Yeah. It takes no skill. If someone can give gossip about uh, gossip about somebody, I'm like, that takes no skill. If you can find the gold, then you showed me that you're a good leader. Yeah. Now you're showing you got something powerful within in you. Yeah. If you can actually see what people carry, just because you can tell me what's wrong with people." 
that doesn't tell me anything. But if you can look at people's lives and say, look how rich they are, then I could be like, oh, okay, you've got a different lens. So you have this moment, they have no clue who it is. And my question is, how were they not able to know it was Judas? Spoiler, it was Judas. If you didn't read the Bible, the Bible's been out for thousands of years. It's your fault, not mine. So you got to read it and find out. But see, the thing is, they had no clue. We read the Bible and we're like, duh, it says it was Judas. But put, be put in their perspective, they had no clue it was Judas. Yeah. Twelve guys running together their whole life with Jesus had no clue it was Judas. See, in, in Mark 6, Jesus commands the disciples, hey, I want you guys to go heal the sick. I want you to cast out demons. Yeah. And then after, a little bit later, it goes and says that they have done that. Yeah. Right? So you know, if this group is doing this stuff, if one of them wasn't able to do it, they would easy, easily go and say, it was this one. Yep. It was this one. Yep. This is the one that betrays Jesus because he can't cast out demons or heal the sick. Yep. So what does that mean? That means Judas was able to cast out demons and heal the sick. Uh-huh. Yep. Judas was actually able to do that because they were not able to dis- discern who is the wrong one. Because easily, as human beings, we're able to pick out the dirt in people so we could quickly go to Judas and say, hey, yeah. it was Judas. Because he wasn't able to heal the sick or cast out demons. And it says in Mark 6 that all of them were able to do it. So the question is, what's going on here? He was able to do, the, do all the miracles. Here's another thing. The Last Supper. How many disciples were there? Twelve, meaning everybody was invited. Yeah. You ever go to a party where that person is not invited? <laughs> and then you're about me? I'm one of those guys, why isn't this person here? And my wife's like, shut up. <laughs> because you, you don't know, Sarah and John, they had it, and he wasn't invited to the party. Right? If someone's not invited to the party, you know immediately they did something wrong. But that's not the case. In the Last Supper, all the disciples are invited to the party. All the disciples are invited to the party. So you still can't discern and say, if Judas wasn't invited to the Last Supper, you would easily have said, it has to be Judas because Jesus didn't ask him to come with us. This is the thing we've got to understand. There's, we, we, we read the Bible and we don't involve ourselves in the story. We've got to involve ourselves in the story. We have to understand as much as they were the disciples, they were also human and they had human characteristics. And we have to understand, ask the questions, wait a minute, why did they not know? Why did they not know? Because it says they were commanded to do all these things, heal the sick and anoint people and cast out demons. And it says that they did that. So then Judas was able to do it. And then at the Last Supper, he was invited. It has to pose the question, why? The the, the answer is, it wasn't a surface thing. It was a deeper thing. This is a deeper thing what brought Judas to betrayer. It wasn't a surface thing. It wasn't performance. In the church, we, we, we highlight this. Hey, what time are they showing up? What, they're here every time. They, when they sing, Holy Spirit falls. I'm on the floor crying. Jesus is here. But what's going behind the scenes? Because Judas is there. Judas is, is, is he's killing it. Because if he wasn't killing it, they would have easily said, it's got, it's got to be, it's, that's brother. That brother right over there. Because he goes and prays for something and nothing happens. 
nothing happens. He laid his hands on them like 10 times. Nothing happened, bro. It's got to be Judas. It's got to be Judas. You know what's crazy, too? Do you know Judas was the treasurer for Jesus? Held all the money. Do you know Jesus? You know Judas was also the thief? Did you know that Jesus knew that? And it says that he stole the money? His heart belonged to something else, not Jesus. So my question again, I come when I read the Bible, I just ask a whole bunch of questions. My question is, then Jesus, why'd you make this brother the treasurer? I have no clue, Jesus. Like, you're holy. I'm not, figure it out for me. How, why would you make him the treasure if you know he's a thief and he's going to steal and where his heart is aligned to, why did you make him the treasure? I want to tell you a story real quick about, you know the story when Peter and the disciples get picked to come follow Jesus, right? So here's this moment. Peter's fishing and Jesus comes up to him and goes and says, come follow me. And then it it, it says in the Bible that they dropped everything and they followed him. So many people read that and they're like, well, they saw Jesus. They didn't know who Jesus, Jesus didn't do anything. They just saw him as a rabbi. Yeah. So why did they drop everything? So here, let me just give you some context for Jewish boys. When you're raised up as a Jewish boy, throughout your life, you were raised to be a rabbi. Yep. Okay? So you're raised to be a rabbi. Throughout your life, you are taking tests of approval. Can you do this? Can you do that? Can you quote this scripture, right? He's given, as little boys... And they're grown to be rabbis. Then at the end, the ultimate test, a rabbi goes up to them and says, can you do this? Can you do that? And at the end, if they are able to do it all, the rabbi responds and says, follow me. Okay? Whenever a boy in in Jewish tradition failed at a test, he would go back home and do the family trade. What was Peter doing when he found him? Fishing. Meaning what? He says, when everybody said you can't do something, I'm saying you can. Because a rabbi is coming and saying, come follow me. When the other rabbi said no. Meaning what? God is always inviting you into something greater than yourself. Right? He's always inviting you into anointing, which is what the ability, the ability to do something, it's the set apart to be like God. It's the anointing of God is that. That's the set apart. You ever see someone like Ken, he can sing, and you're like, dang, that brother can sing. That's the anointing of God, right? That brother is anointed, right? See, it's a picture of God's grace. Because Judas, what was he doing? He says, I look at you as a thief, but I want you to be in charge of my money. He looked at Judas and says, I want to invite you into something greater than what everybody else is telling you are. Okay? He says, I want to set you apart. When everybody looked at your dirt and put you in a corner, I'm going to set you apart. And I want you to come follow me. And I want you to be my disciple. And I want you to be overseeing my money. When everybody says you're a thief, I'm going to trust you with my money. How often does this happen to us with God, right? Doesn't this happen so much with God? He's like, hey, I want you to do this. And you're like, I am not at all ready for this. 
I am not at all ready for this. I remember when God was called me to, to be a pastor, I felt th- this, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to be this pastor and I'm going to speak. And there was these moments where like, man, I'm ready to go. And every time there was a door, but he kept inviting me and there was a door. And it, and it was this moment where he was keeping me hidden. I'm like, thank God right now that happened because you at all would not want to see me speak at that moment. It was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. He invites us always to something greater, but he anoints us with the ability to do it. You ever see, like, you, he invites you, but you know you can do it, but you're like, ah, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Because it's always an invitation. Every time God looks at you, it's an invitation into something greater than you. Greater than yourself. It's an invitation. But the thing is, God's grace is that he gives you the ability to actually do it. But here's the thing. How often do we have a little bit of Judas in ourselves? Where God calls us in, right? But there's no character to sustain what God called us into. Wow. Right? That, that, here's the thing. Judas was able to do everything, right? But his heart was given to money. In First Timothy, where it says, you know, don't give to, to money, don't get your heart be tied to money. That was Judas. Judas was living that out. See, God anoints us, he invites us, but we've got to do the deeper work that will sustain the calling that God has put on our lives. It's the deeper things no one sees. It's the things that no one knows about. Because we, we get called, and God's like, all right, I'm calling you. But what happens sometimes is we get so lost, either on the stage, the platform, or the building the platform, that we forget the brick by brick that it takes to build the platform. We just look at Instagram, and we're like, hey, how can I get, I mean, shoot, you're in the city of platforms, right? Like, how do I build this platform, and God's, how do I get to this platform? How do I get to the stage? Because I have the ability, God, you've given it to me. I know I can crush it, and then it comes to comparison. I know I can crush it better than them, and then now... Put me on that stage. I know I can lead better than them. Put me on the stage. And God's like, ah, 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 ah. You've got to do the brick by brick. You haven't done the brick by brick yet. You want the stage, but you haven't done the brick by brick. He's keeping you from having a Judas moment where he goes and says, yes, he was able to do everything and I invited him to the table, but he hasn't done the back work yet. And I'm going to show you even more. Watch. Proverbs 18, 16 says this. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Then Proverbs 10, 9 says this. He who walks with integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will become known. Meaning, what what is this Proverbs saying? You ever read the Proverbs, you're like... Anointing will place you before kings. It will place you before influential people. That is the purpose of God doing that because if you want to make a difference, God's going to go, I need to put you in front of these certain people. Anointing will do that, right? But character will sustain you there. We all want to be put before kings, 
We all want that influential spot in some way or the other. It's innate in you. Romans 8 says what? All creation awaits for the revealing of sons and daughters. Meaning what? The world is actually waiting for you to dream. The world to get better is actually waiting for you to go do the things that God has put in your heart. Because it says all creation awaits. Meaning what? The world is actually waiting for you. So it's actually innate in you to do something substantial influential at some level or the other that it is innate in you okay so there's the understanding of that and the lord goes and says let me set you apart let me anoint you with the ability but understand anointing will get you in front of kings influential people but character will keep you there This is why the secret life with Jesus is so important. In order for us to sustain our calling, we have to pursue the secret life with Jesus. Do you know what character is? This is character. It's she when no one is looking. That's character. Character is built when no one is looking. You guys good? We have to have a secret life with Jesus. Why? Because you know what the anointing is? It's the rubbing off of God. It's being like God. Do you ever have that moment when you're around yourself, around somebody all the time, and then you end up talking like them? Right? And then you end up being like, like I, I, I realized there was a season where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm just like my dad. I'm just like my dad. Talking hair and bald head and all. So it's like, dang. Okay? But there's just because I was with him all the time. Right? I was with him. There was a rubbing off. That's why Jesus longs for a secret life. Because he says, I want you to be like me. Yeah. Because the character that I have, I want it to rub off on you. Yeah. That's why in Matthew 6, it goes and says, hey, pray to me. But pray to me in the secret place and I will reward you openly. Yeah. Do you know what the act of prayer is? The act of prayer is, is the releasing of yourself and receiving of him. Wow. We thought prayer was this genie in the bottle moment. Yeah. And there's a place for that. There's a place for petitioning for God. There's a place for saying, God, I want you to do this. I want you to see, I want to see this in my generation. There is a place for that. But also, prayer is the releasing of myself and the receiving of who he is. Yeah. Right? So what is he saying? Prayer, come to me in the secret place because I want you to receive who I am and then I'll reward you openly. Do the work. Do the brick by brick. Do the behind the scenes work that will keep you where you're at. I think so often the stories that I hear about Craig and Anne-Marie where they meet these influential people, I'm like, what? Really? You sat with them? I'm like, yes. It's because of the character that God has put behind them. It's the trust in God saying, I can trust you with these people. If we don't work behind the scenes, uh, the calling will end up choking us out. It did it to Judas. What did Judas do? Hang himself. If we do not do the behind the scenes work with Jesus, the calling will end up choking us out. You ever see people that they got, they, they, they're in this place of influence, but man, the secret life is not there, and then it's just, man, day to day, they're wearing down. 
We do this all the time. God's called us here, but then we have a little bit of Jesus where we don't do the secret life to sustain us where God has called us. It's the secret life that has to be the top priority. I used to see, you ever hear the talk where it goes, God, uh, then my marriage, and then we like compartmentalize it. You ever hear people talk about that? And then my kids. I'm like, stop that. You're compartmentalizing. Just how to let it be God and it just overflows. Can it just be God and then everything that God, you do with God just touches everything in your life? Because what happens is if you compartmentalize it, when you don't have God that day, then you're like, which one is better right now? Which one do I give my time? This is why I love that there's a Peter in the Bible. Because I'm going to bring you hope. I know like, my dang, you're convicting me bad here, bro. I'm going to bring you hope. This is why I love Peter in the Bible. He's the closest to Jesus. It even says it when we read it before. He was the closest to Jesus. Saw the most miracles. Declared Jesus as God. But yet he denied Jesus three times. He denied Jesus three times. Judas betrayed him. Peter denied him. What's the difference? When you read the story, it's that Peter was the closest to Jesus. Peter was taken up in the Mount Transfiguration. Peter saw the most miracles. Meaning what? His secret life with Jesus was sustained every time. Meaning what? Judas did not have to hang himself. It was that the secret life was not there to sustain himself. Does that make sense? Where it's like, hey, Peter understood he messed up, but he knew who Jesus was. This is why I love that Peter's in the Bible. If I have the worship team come up real quick, we're going to come in. Oh man, I'm behind. Okay. The whole goal is is to this is I want the secret life, the behind the scenes work to trump the platform, the stage, the looking at, the anointing, the place before kings. You will get there. I told you, Romans 8, it's in your very DNA to do something substantial. It will happen. But God has to learn to trust you with something. And in order for him to trust you, he's got to build a relationship with you. And in order for you to build a relationship with God, you've got to pursue him every time. There's got to this be this pursuit. This is, this is what the overall, when I read this, the overall hope that I have in this. So when I keep reading this, that just gives me like so much joy when I read it and I'm like because oh. there's moments where there's this little bit of Judas pops up in me where the stage becomes more important than sustaining that me coming and speaking at a church is more important than me praying being with my family being with my kids there's moments where that sparks and I've got to silence it. And the way I silence it is as I sustain my life with Jesus. But the hope that I have in this is that when you read this, how many people were invited to the Last Supper again? Twelve. Twelve. Yeah. All of them were. Yeah. Peter would deny him and he was invited to the table. Judas would betray him and he was invited to the table. Thomas would doubt him and he was invited to the table. 
are all invited to changing the world. But he's got to be the main priority in our life. My cry. You read, you read about Moses and he goes in response to Moses. I've heard the cry of my children. My question is, does God know what my cry sounds like? Some of us haven't even cried out. We've cried out to the platform, to the stage, to the thing we long to do, but we haven't cried out to Him. And so much I see these young people, they long, they long for this place that, man, this is going, this is, this is not substantial. You know what substantial is? My three kids and my wife that will outlast me. That's substantial. Pursuing character with God so that I can hand it off to my children. That's substantial. Not this because at one day this is going to break and he's going to chuck it in the garbage. But some people will give their lives to this. They will die to this instead of pursuing just him. If you guys stand up real quick, I want to I want to pray for you. The hope in this is that they were all invited to the table. That's the thing that's great about it. They were all invited to the table. You've got to remind yourself of that. Peter Peter denied him. Judas betrayed him. Thomas doubted him. And that's just cutting the surface of it. And they were all invited to the table. So what I want you to do is I just want you to close your eyes and and bow your head and I want to pray for man. Dude, that's me. I need to reestablish the secret life with Jesus. I need to actually have an ongoing pursuit with him because he's called me to this. He's called me to change the world. All creation awaits. But oh dear God, I need to see Jesus' face again. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Just... Just keep it there. Just keep it there. Yeah. Holy Spirit, Father, I pray right now that a hunger is created unlike any other. Yes, God. I pray for an encounter with you, Jesus, that creates a hunger. A fire in them that that screams out, all I want is you. Yes. That to every problem, you're the solution. Yes. For the amount of time that I need, you're the alpha and the omega. You're the beginning and the end. You're the author of time. So you are the source of life. I pray for a hunger to be stirred up. And Father, I pray, I pray for the people, God, that man, that you've called them right now in this place, that you've placed them before kings. I pray, God, that there is an ongoing sustaining of their character where no one is looking. There is a deep, rich relationship with God. It is where your anointing comes from, God. Oh, 
Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for who you are. And all God's people said,